Hey everyone, welcome to Tetsuo Tells a Story. I'm Tetsuo. This is a different style of video and I thought I'd like to try it out. It was a lot of work, hence the hour long video. But if you enjoyed it, please comment below so I can continue making similar ones or switch it up. There's no jump scares or freaky sounds, just plain old rain and a transition effect denoting a change to the next story. Remember to like and sub to the channel if you haven't already. No time to listen up and turn on your nightlights. Please enjoy this hour-long episode titled An Hour-Long True Scary Stories. So, my neighborhood is a weird shape. It goes off the main road into what would be a cul-de-sac, but at the circle end, splits into another cul-de-sac. Halfway through this road, it splits off into another road and ends. I will not be disclosing which road I live on, and I don't know which house the neighboring question lived in. However, there is an empty, abandoned house in the immediate area. The story goes that the husband of two children along with his wife and mother-in-law, lived in the neighborhood. For unknown reasons, the husband stabbed his mother-in-law in the neck and killed her. He then proceeded to attack his family. The wife was injured and managed to flee with the children to our house. My parents let them in and my dad grabbed his police gun while my mom called the police. The husband never chased them and was arrested and successfully charged with the murder. However, I don't know what happened to any of the family members after that. So, Mr. Psycho Neighbor, let's never meet again. When I was a child around 3 or 4 years old, I lived in a somewhat small house in New York. The house had two floors, a basement and the main floor. It had four bedrooms and was very cheap, as my mother had told me. As expensive as New York is for a newly started family, it makes sense to why my parents bought it so quickly. They never knew about the house's um, history, but I'll get into that later. In my family, I was always regarded as the sickly one due to my early childhood. When I lived in that house, I was always sick. This was something that only happened to me. No biggie, just a normal case of asthma and a weak immune system, right? Outside of the house, my coughing and wheezing would lessen slightly. At night, when I'm in my room, this is where my coughing attacks were the worst. My room was always cold, which was not common in that part of New York. I had to go to the hospital often, and even got to the point of getting my own nebulizer. After a while, I started to sleepwalk. At first, it would be small walks, like to the bathroom and hallway. Then it got worse. I started to walk up and down the stairs, into my parents' room, and my sister's. Not in that order, of course. Sometimes, I would just stand in the hallway, in front of people's doors, 
It gotten so bad that my parents had to put up gates around the house to prevent me from leaving my room. At one point, I had begun to climb over the gate, which led to multiple gates being put around the house. The odd thing is that when I would sleepwalk, I would do things that I haven't learned how to do yet. Being a small three-year-old girl, I didn't know how to climb at all. I lived in a neighborhood with few trees, and it's New York. Yet, I climbed over a much taller gate in a dazed state. My older sister would tell me that sometimes, I used to stand over her in the middle of the night, but I wasn't aware. I wouldn't speak or move, just look at her in a vacant state. Me, being a small child, I don't have any recollection of doing any of these things, but there are some things I distinctly remember, even now. I remember that I would scratch my thighs until they would bleed. I did this for no reason at all. I know that it wasn't a simple three-year-old's fascination. I didn't even know it was happening until I often snapped out of it to see my bleeding thighs. I also got hurt quite a bit. After learning to walk, all I did was attempt to run. It was no surprise to my mother that I hurt myself. But sometimes, I would get hurt for no reason, especially in my playroom, located in the basement. I had all my toys there, and that's where I spent most of the time. Looking back, I never really felt comfortable in the playroom by myself. Despite the discomfort, my three-year-old toy urges won. While playing down there, I would often get tapped or a small pat on the back but thought nothing of it. I would sometimes get pushed, but would have my hair yanked harshly sometimes. Since my mom was pregnant with my little sister at the time, I assumed that it was her messing with me since she was usually home. Thinking about all that that is happening, this should have set off many red flags. Eventually, my family moved down south and forgot all about the house. Recently, I was talking to my parents and joked about my mom playing pranks on me during her pregnancy. They both went silent and my mom seemed very bothered. She then told me that I stayed in bed during your sister's pregnancy. I couldn't really walk down the stairs, so I stayed away from the basement. I was so confused after this. My dad decided to tell me why our house was so cheap. An old woman and her abusive husband used to live there. They both died in a fire in the house. The cause of the fire is unknown. I found out later that the husband stayed in my older sister's room and the wife stayed in mine. Also, the woman had suffocated and burned to death in my room. I wanted to call it a coincidence, but after moving out of that house, my illness, condition, sleepwalking, stopped immediately. I know for sure I will never go back to that house. I try to ask my older sister for some details, but she refuses to talk about it. My little sister started to sleepwalk and cries about the scary lady at the foot of her bed. She is a middle schooler now. My mom and dad are skeptical, but I believe and hope 
the lady didn't follow me. My older sister never talks about our old house anymore and avoids my little sister. I am very worried. I think it's starting again. I try to pretend that I don't hear sounds from my sister's room at night. I'm afraid to go in there. I tried once, but was frozen in fear, drenched in cold sweat. I can't wait to graduate high school so I can leave this house. I hope this woman leaves. I'm no longer the youngest, so I'm less likely to be targeted by spirits like her. I just want my sisters to be safe. My grandmother believes us and is bringing items to exercise the spirit tonight. Wish me luck. I'll start by saying I'm a very paranoid person and the fact that I'm alone all day definitely doesn't help. So I started online school this year and I'm not gonna lie, it's pretty boring, but I don't mind it at all. As a small child, I've always been afraid of my house. I think it was built in the 50s, so rather new but rather broken down too. Our whole basement is the size of our house, and that's where it all starts. I've always had the fear of our basement, and it wasn't just that fear instinct everyone has. I just knew it was much more than that. Our basement has no door, just a long echoing stairway that you can walk down. My mom sleeps down there in her room and there's also a laundry room in there. So it's not like I'm a complete baby about it. When I walk up the stairs, I see shadows darting across and I sometimes, when I'm laying in my mom's bed, hear footsteps coming from the nearby rooms. Just starting school this year. My hall light outside my room had began to go off even though we had checked its fuse and changed the bulb. Nothing is wrong with it. None of this had been happening since April 2nd, the day after my birthday when a friend and I played the Ouija board. I did everything properly and said all the right things, mind you, I had been researching what to do to make it right for the past two years. But it worked and not many problems came too close after that, except for August 2016, when it all went further downhill. Our garage door that leads to our yard is in our kitchen, and I tend to hear it open quite a bit, and it really messes me up. But lately, after hearing it open so many times, I've been locking it during the day and before I go to sleep. The door is extremely loud and creaky, so you know when it's opened. I have two Great Danes and we usually sit in the living room while I work. You can't see the kitchen or anything from the angle of the room and I began keeping a taser. But before that, I started locking the back door. I would hear it pop open and then I would proceed to hear footsteps throughout the house. Frozen in fear of not knowing what to do at that point, I locked my door and just sat there. I know I'm stupid. But I always hear the footsteps stop near the closed door and my yard door open and close as if someone was leaving. One specific time, it was around noon or so, I remember thinking my dad was home because of what I've been hearing 
So I yelled out, hi dad, as my dogs went absolutely crazy, barking. And I hear running and the door slam, as if someone realized I was here and ran out. A few weeks ago, it was a Friday and my dad had, unknown to my acknowledgement, came home for lunch around 1 o'clock and came in shouting at me that he had just caught a man running out of the backyard when he pulled up. I remember when he said that, I just froze and shut down. There had been someone in my house all those time. So the man in my house, don't ever come back. Before I start my story, I want to go over my family background. My dad was a single father raising six kids under 18 on his own. So he didn't have the money to buy us luxurious things at the time. But we were understanding and accepted what was given to us. When I was still living with my family, we lived in a small house with only four bedrooms. And since there were a lot of us, we had to share rooms. One day, my dad went to pick up a used queen-size bed frame that came with a mattress for my sister and I because we shared a room together. We never questioned where he got it or whether it was new or not. We were just happy that we finally got a bigger bed for us to sleep on. I slept on the bed a few times, but eventually I started sleeping in the living room because I would stay up late on video calls with my, at that time, long distance boyfriend. My sister never experienced anything unusual when sleeping alone in the room. She was the type of person where nothing paranormal happened to her. While I, on the other hand, had experienced many paranormal activities. But those are stories to be told for another time. Fast forward. I don't know how long we've had that bed, but I remember one day, I pulled an all-nighter talking to my long-distance boyfriend until daylight. I don't recall what time of the day it was, but everyone was up. Eventually, I started feeling sleepy, so I decided to go sleep in my room since the living room was preoccupied. I remember crawling into bed, laying on my left side with my left arm supporting my head, while my right arm rested on my stomach. I am facing the door so I had a good visual of my room. It was cold in my room so I decided to put a few blankets to keep me warm. After getting comfy in bed, I started dozing off but wasn't fully asleep yet. As I was dozing off, I remember seeing this tall black figure just standing a couple of feet away from the bed where I was facing. I wasn't sure if what I saw was really there or if I was just imagining things. Anyways, I was too tired to care so I finally closed my eyes and right then and there something started poking my back. It felt like a muscle spasm but it was hitting me hard. I tried to move but I couldn't. Then my ears started ringing like crazy. Kind of like a loud, white noise was playing in the background. In my mind, 
I started freaking out because I knew exactly what situation I was stuck in. I was too afraid to open my eyes, so I closed them tightly. I remember moving my fingers to break free. As I was trying to do that, I felt a hand right under my right hand where it rested my stomach. It was as if someone wrapped his or her arms around me. Then came the part where it really spooked me out, still to this day. During the whole sleep paralysis, while my ears were still ringing, I heard a faint voice from behind and a male voice said to me, Please, please stay by my side. Please, please stay by my side, please. I finally managed to break free from it. I got up so quickly and it didn't help how heavy the dang blankets were and I stormed out the room without saying a word. After a month or two camping out in the living room, I was forced to sleep in my room again. I never told anyone what happened because I was afraid that whatever that spirit was might hear me. Little did I know, future paranormal things were waiting for me. Did you know that if you keep talking about ghosts, the more active they are? Well, my friends and roommate and I found this out the hard way. I come from a background of religious believers, and I myself am one. Along with my roommates, we believe that there are things in this earth that we can't explain, along with an afterlife. Now, a few years ago, I moved in with my roommate. We will call her Casey. I moved in with Casey because her cousin at that time moved out and went back home to try and save money. I knew Casey since I was a little girl, but we never got close until I moved in. A few nights after moving in, Casey told me about the spirit that was attached to her cousin Abby. While I believe in things I cannot explain, the concept of a ghost attaching themselves to someone seems a bit far out there for me, but I respected her and listened anyways. She then proceeded to tell me about weird things that happened and how the strange occurrences in the house stopped when Abby moved out. Fast forward a few months and Abby moves back into our little condo due to not getting along with the people that she was living with. Well, she moved back in, strange things started happening. Strange noises or lights would be on when we thought we turned them off. Nothing too noticeable or malevolent, but odd at the same time. Now, at that time, we each had a dog and we also shared the space with our indoor cat. So most of the time, we would just blame the weird noises on our animals. One night, Abby and I found ourselves alone on a cloudy fall night and gotten on the subject of our past ghost encounters. We let our dogs outside for a while before the rain was supposed to roll in. Later on, Abby said that her contacts started getting uncomfortable and that she needed to go upstairs to take them out. Now, our little condo has stairs right when you walked into the entryway. 
If you walked upstairs, it was like a huge square. You would find my room to the right of you if you turned right. And there was a little bathroom that was connected to my roommate's vanity area. And then her room. Turn right again and you were back into the hallway that connects to the stairs. I know all these details seem excessive, but it is important to know the layout of the house for the story to make sense. I followed Abby upstairs and kept talking about our experiences. I sat in my doorway and she was standing in the room opposite of me, fighting with her contacts. The wall to my left was an interior wall in my room that had four mirrors hanging in a decorative square. I can flat out say that there was no wind outside and that the TVs were all off and the windows were all shut in. She was just finishing a story when all of a sudden on the wall to my left with enough force to knock all the mirrors crooked, bang, 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 right next to me in the center of her mirrors. We both looked wide-eyed at each other and bolted down the stairs with my friend screaming, I'm sorry, it's my fault, over and over, and me yelling, it's the cat, oh my god, it's the dang cat, it can't be anything else. Me knowing full well that it wasn't the dang cat, and right when we got downstairs, the cat was asleep in the armchair. How it stayed asleep? Through all the noise, I have no idea. We huddled on the couch for the rest of the night, us both being too paranoid to sleep. A few weeks later, Casey, Abby, and I were talking about some weird experiences, which were happening almost daily, and we got to the subject where the ghosts liked to reside, most according to Abby. Abby told me it would pace back and forth in my friend's vanity area and especially liked my walk-in closet, which used to be her old room. I later on told whatever it was, it was welcomed, because Abby did say that it was benign in nature. That doesn't mean that it didn't have a temper it provoked. A few weeks later, a friend came over for the first time. This friend who I will mention was a complete non-believer in the paranormal. She sometimes liked to tease the unseen and my own sanity. I told her not to say anything stupid or to tease whatever resided in our home. We were alone at that time and I didn't expect anyone home until late that evening. Later on, I somehow found myself on the subject of the weird activity in the house. I was sitting on my bed which was tucked in the far right corner of my room and my friend was standing at the foot of my bed and about two feet behind her, I had a cabin that was about six feet tall. I had several decorative figurines on top of it, one of which was a rather heavy angel that was about six inches high and about four inches wide. The thing was not a light figurine by any means. The cabinet had a ridge engraved on top of it, about four inches away from the edge of the cabin, and the angel figurine had these little legs on the bottom of it making the following events extremely odd because it was impossible for the figurine to fall down. My friend, being a complete jerk, proceeds to say, kiss my ghost, 
against my wishes. And well, right as she said this, my angel figurine flies off the top of the cabinet and hits her square in the left butt cheek. We both just look at each other, wide-eyed. And she bent over to pick up the angel figurine. A little wooden bird flew off and hit her right on the head just to make sure she got the point, I think. We both got spooked but chuckled. And the bruise that she had on her butt cheek was proof enough to her that there really was something out there. This girl must have really pissed off, whatever it was, because whenever I said goodbye and closed the door, wham, and the lights turned on. I nearly pooped myself and slowly went to investigate what happened while apologizing for the actions of my dumb friend. I quickly closed the doors and ran upstairs, locking myself in my room until my roommates got home. My parents heard these stories from me almost on a daily basis and grew extremely concerned about how consumed my friend and I were by these experiences. They advised us that it would be best to leave the ghost stories and videos alone, at least until things settled down. I told my roommates about this and we all agreed to let the subject alone to see if the activities calmed down. For the remainder of our time in the condo and the time in the other house that we moved in, we rarely discussed our past paranormal experiences. The activities ceased and to this day, I rarely discuss my past paranormal experiences. The advice my parents gave us worked. And to this day I wonder, how did my parents find out about this trick themselves? Now, trigger warning, please skip to the next episode if you'd like. My family bought a duplex in 1997 in St. Paul, Minnesota in Frogtown. Before I go any further, I wanted to give some information about my father and my family. My father had two wives during this time. However, he was a loving father to his children and wives before moving into this house. Although my mom and stepmom had the differences, we still managed. My mother was the first wife. It was me, I'm the boy, and the eldest. Two of my other brothers and one sister. My stepmother had three children, two girls and one boy, from her first marriage. We, my mom, and my siblings lived on the top floor while the second wife lived on the first floor. What my dad did was alternate daily where he would spend the night. Anyways, the house was your typical St. Paul house. Run down on the outside, but clean on the inside. It was tall with an unfinished basement. In fact, the basement was an utter mess with one light bulb in the center. Everyone has refused to go down there. My father was the only one brave enough to go down there. 
but only if he had to. I'll only tell you guys my siblings and my experiences. My step-siblings noticed strange things, but not as much as we did. Now, within a month of moving in, my siblings and I noticed a lot of weird things occurring around the house. We would hear knockings around the house, misplaced items, and hearing voices from outside and inside of the house in the middle of the night. My siblings and I slept in the same room and we could clearly hear whatever it was talking, but we could never make out what they were saying. Soon, these talking became name calling. They called our names from the hours of 10 a.m. to 1 a.m. and from 3 a.m. until 6 in the morning. We could never sleep. However, the scariest things were the three dark figures that would dart from room to room or peek from the corner. The way that these dark figures moved and stared at me made me wonder if they were trying to say something. I think this because they would often chase me in my dreams and they seemed to stop after a certain point and would try to talk to me. But in my dreams, I couldn't make out what they were saying. Maybe they wanted to warn me about something. I'll come back to this later. Anyways, I never told my parents about the strange things because I knew well enough that my parents worked very hard to purchase this house and I didn't want to add more stress to them. And besides, we couldn't afford to move. My siblings and I knew this, so we just kept our mouths shut. While the three figures were creepy, the front stairs which we used to go up and down the two floors was what we stayed away from when my parents were not home. We dare not use the back stairs, which were connected to the basement, and it was much more scarier. Now, like every Hmong family in the 90s, we were left alone while our parents went to work. My father, mother, and stepmother all worked in the same location, and they worked the same shift. That meant that they left us all alone for eight hours plus on the weekends, and sometimes the weekdays. However, it was more like someone sneaking up the stairs because as I got closer to the stairs, it stops. And when I move away, it slowly starts again. If you think that it's our step-siblings downstairs, well, it's not them. They were never home on the weekends because their mom has her own babysitter. Six months after moving into the house, I suspected that my parents knew what was going on. But those things never happened when they were around. My mom offered to ask a shaman to come in to see what's going on, but my father refused. I never understood why, but I can only imagine what she or he would have found out about the place. Nonetheless, as the months went on, my father changed. He became more and more distant from our families. He started to use steroids to build muscle out of nowhere. This would cause him to be angry about everything 
when he was in the house with us. We, the children, could laugh and be playing, and he would get angry at us for no reason. The worst part was, he became physically abusive. My father had always disciplined us before, with some spanking, but never full-blown beatdown with me getting hit the most. Sometimes, I would get hit so hard, I could not walk for days. The thing was, was that he would apologize afterwards. He said that he was sorry for hitting me. He just didn't know what came over him. This happened quite often. However, in about a year, he would do something that would change his and every member of my family lives forever. Some content before I continue. My father loves guns and he just bought a handgun for protection two months earlier. He would take his gun and show me and my siblings. Strangely enough, the handgun went off while I was laying on the table. This was probably a sight of what was coming. The day that this incident happened was May 4th, 1999. It was the darkest day of my life. The night was tropical. We had no AC in the house and everyone was sweating. I was doing my homework in the room with the fan at full blast while my mom was cooking. My siblings were playing the Super Nintendo. This night was also the night that my father was spent with my stepmother. Suddenly, I hear yelling from downstairs. I thought it was their typical argument, and so I paid no attention. However, I soon realized that it was more than a common argument. My father took out his gun and ordered my stepmother and her children up to the second floor. During this time, I was still in my room doing my homework. He came in and told me to come out, nicely I might add. He told me to go to the corner and wait there. I saw my mom and stepmom crying because my dad was trying to kill both of them. They were both on their knees begging my father not to shoot. My siblings and step-siblings were all together in the corner. Everyone was crying, except for me. To be honest, I don't know why I didn't cry, but I noticed that the living room changed. I couldn't describe it, but it felt like the whole living room was filled with people. Within two minutes of noticing the change in the room, I got lightheaded. And when I looked towards my father, I saw three figures standing at my father's side. It was as if they were holding him back. And this, this is where my memories stop. What I mean is that I don't remember what happened after seeing the three dark figures. The next thing I remembered was my father getting arrested. We were questioned by the police and offered to move into another location for the time being. But my mom refused. My stepmother, however, took her children and left the house. We lived there for another week before moving into a shelter. Looking back, I have so many questions. Were the dark figures responsible for my dad's change? Or was it that they were warning us about my father? Would my father 
have gone insane if we moved into a different house? Or would he have done the same thing, regardless? Maybe our lives are written already, and that we are following a script. I lean towards the idea that the three dark figures were warning us children, because they never actually scared us. They only showed up when my dad and mom were not around. Today, my father married his third wife. In my family, both mom and stepmom still connect with each other. In fact, we are closer today than before that day. As for my father, I tried to start a father and son relationship with him, but it never seems to work out. All I can say is that I tried to reconnect. It was late at night, and there had been flash floods throughout the day. I had just finished a long shift because there were so many power outages in the office. The rain was still coming down hard during my drive, so I was extra careful. About halfway home, I noticed a woman walking with her child in the pouring rain. I drove by them at first and tried to ignore the part of me that insisted that I offer them a ride to their destination. Obviously, that part of me eventually won. I reversed back and met the two. I ran out of my car and opened the rear passenger door and I told them to jump in. She didn't really hesitate and thanked me. I asked where they were going and they said they only lived about a mile from the street. They were at the market and the bus was running late so they decided to brave the rain. The woman looked to be in her mid-thirties. Her daughter was probably six or seven. The ride was short and we made good conversation. When we got to their destination, I told them to hold on while I grabbed an umbrella from the trunk for them. I ran out, popped the trunk open, grabbed the umbrella, and proceeded to open the door. When I opened it, they weren't there. I looked around to see if they walked off while I was grabbing the umbrella, but honestly, there was no way they could have gotten out of my sight in the 15 seconds that it took me to get it. It was still raining really hard, so maybe they ran inside their house. I shrugged it off and proceeded to head home. While eating dinner with my wife, she alerted me to the television. There was a story about a major accident that happened on the main road that I use on my daily commute. A truck hydroplaned off the road and struck a group of people that were waiting for the bus at the bus stop. Of the victims, there was a mother and a daughter who were pronounced dead at the scene. I used to sleep over all the time at my best friend's apartment back in college of 2017 in St. Cloud, Minnesota. I hated sleeping in the dorms and was mostly only there when I had to work as an RA. Majority of the time when I didn't work, I would walk to my best friend's apartment with some clothes 
a gaming laptop, and a pack of soda, ready to game all night. But who knew that this one night, while I was sleeping in the living room on a sofa, I would see something I never thought I would see. I was sleeping with my full front body pointed towards the window and away from the kitchen. Pretty much, my back was facing towards the kitchen. I noticed that the lights were flickering on and off as I had my eyes closed. So I opened up one eye to see if the light was actually on or if it was off. As I was looking towards the wall under the window, I saw my shadow on the sofa as well as another shadow of someone who seemed like he or her could be behind me. I had thoughts that it was my best friend messing with me to get me cranky. So I spoke in small words that I was super tired and that he should go to sleep right now. Shortly after, I heard the giggle of what seemed to be a little boy who then eventually ran off towards the hallway towards the other rooms in the apartment. I didn't think much of it at the time and eventually knocked out once again. In the morning when I woke up, I eventually went to talk to my best friend about it. He seemed hesitant to tell me, so I kept asking him about it, to which he then eventually tells me that there was something living in the apartment. It was a little Native American boy. The boy loved to play pranks on my best friend and his girlfriend. He would pop up in my friend's closet every second that he was FaceTiming his girlfriend. Even his girlfriend freaked out. He didn't even know about it. That was until he called a shaman to come over and to bless the place. Turns out later that we had to leave some toys at the corner of the living room so the little boy wouldn't disturb us. I also eventually packed up my bags and told my best friend that I was heading back to my dorm on campus to sleep there for the remainder of the school year. I told him that I didn't want to disturb the place where the dead native boy was at. It was a long, long, exhausting day at my grandma's funeral. So my husband, my sister, my nephew, my son and I decided to go back to my parents' house to shower and to prep for the last night with my grandma. When we got to my parents' house, my husband decided to go upstairs to take a shower while the rest of us remained downstairs. When my husband comes back downstairs, he asked me, Hey, what did you need? I responded, What do you mean, what did I need? He then got agitated and said, You were pounding on the bathroom door while I was showering. So, what did you need? You didn't respond when I asked you what you needed. We both looked at each other. And it got super quiet. You could literally hear crickets. I then replied, I'm serious. I never knocked on the bathroom door 
I've been here the whole time. Why did someone knock on the bathroom door? He then got angry and said, Stop lying. It's not funny. If you did it, just say it. I'm serious, it's not funny. So if it wasn't you, then did your sister or the kids come pound on the bathroom door? I told him that no one left to go upstairs. We were all downstairs the whole time. I could see the goosebumps rise on his arms and I hear him trembling with fear through his breathing. I told him that I didn't hear anyone knocking at all while he was showering. And I asked my sister if she heard anything either and she said she didn't hear a thing. My sister and I asked him what happened and he just said, While I was showering, someone pounded on the door three times. So I asked who it was and no one responded. Then all of a sudden someone knocked on the door again. So I asked who it was, but still no answer. So I got out of the shower quickly and opened the door, but no one was there. So I figured you went back downstairs and I went back into the shower. Didn't you hear me call your name to see what you wanted? My sister and I both turned and looked at each other and nodded our head saying we didn't hear anything. At this point, we were all so scared we left quickly to go back to the funeral. I'm guessing it was probably my grandma who came to pay my husband one last visit before she was put to rest because he was her favorite grandson-in-law. On a side note, grandma's bedroom was upstairs, right across the bathroom upstairs, but there was a lot of activity that occurred after her passing. Things such as slamming of doors and movements such as someone walking upstairs while no one was upstairs. St. Paul, Minnesota, 55106. It was about six years ago. My friends and I graduated high school at the end of that spring. Anyways, one warm summer night, we decided to drink in my buddy's basement. Late as always, we started drinking around 10 p.m.-ish. Fast forward, I was a weak sauce and got drunk. I KO'd in the basement, laying in one of my friend's bed, with my back facing up. Yet everyone left who knows when. As for my buddy who lives there, he went upstairs to his room. Around 5am, I was awoken, and yet my eyes were still closed. You know, when your eyelids are shut and you see nothing but pitch black, but still know that you're awake? So I woke up to a strange noise coming from the edge of the bed by my feet. Hmm. All of my hairs stood up from head to toe. Goosebumps everywhere. I could barely breathe. It kept repeating itself. Each time it made that noise. Hmm. It got a bit louder and louder. I was so scared that I didn't know what to do but to hold on to my spirit and started praying to my family while making a fist. The only thing that kept running through my head was, I'm dead, 
I'm dead. I'm dead. And if it comes here, I'm gonna give it a fight before it can take my life. I laid there like I was asleep, but I was scared to death. Then it started making another noise, along with the same noise, like it was scratching the table with a key or something, and that mm. sound. It was so scary. It did this a couple of times, and it felt like it was coming closer and closer to my eyes. And then, suddenly, a small light came on at the corner of my eye. I heard footsteps running downstairs very fast from the upstairs. Right then and there, I opened my eyes and shouted, Who's there? But no one answered. I asked once more, but louder this time. Two seconds later, my friend's youngest sister popped her head out and said, What? I got up as fast as I can, like there was no tomorrow, and ran upstairs like a shooting star that you've never seen before in your life. I woke my buddy up and told him what happened, and he said, It's nothing. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that's what they all say to insure us. So I left home after a while. Later that day, my buddy called me and told me the truth because he didn't want me to freak out. In his exact words, he said, My wife's grandma just passed away about two weeks ago on the couch in our living room. That must have been her, and I'm also missing a set of keys too. And then everything made sense. Ever since then, I've never slept at his place again. Never. No matter how drunk I get, you better put me in the car or else I'll get you tomorrow. And that's a promise. In the early 2000s, my parents decided to leave the city life to become farmers. This was their dream. They wanted a big house with land to raise animals and to have a garden of their own. This home was a large five bedroom house built in the early 1900s. It also had 12 acres of green grass with this perfectly built white picket fence all around. It looked beautiful and serene. My parents fell in love with it right away and bought it at such a good price. They didn't even bother looking into the history of the place. The home was purchased in the late summer, and by winter, my mom started having paranormal experiences. One night, my little brother left his red bouncing ball outside of his room by his door. His bedroom was across the bathroom, and my parents' room was the last one down the hall. Their rooms were diagonal from each other. That night, my mom needed to use the bathroom. As she stepped out of her room, she noticed my little brother's red ball. She took a step forward towards the bathroom, and then the red ball started to roll across the hallway from my brother's room to the bathroom door. Then the red ball started to roll across the hall from my brother's door to 
the bathroom door. It was as if someone pushed the ball. She was so scared, she just went back to her bedroom. A couple of months later, my mom took a nap on the couch in the living room. It was late in the afternoon and everyone was in their room or out. As my mom started to doze off, she felt pressure on her chest as if something was pushing her down. She said as soon as she felt that, she tried getting up but couldn't move. She said that when she was finally able to open her eyes wider, she saw a very pale white face appear. It was a girl with very dark black eyes and blonde hair who looked very angry. She whispered to my mom, Why did you leave me? My mom was twitching, trying so hard to move. She then heard my younger brother's voice calling her as he came into the living room and that was what helped her break free. My mom told my dad about it that night, but my dad brushed it off telling her that it was just sleep paralysis. My dad didn't believe in ghosts. Two days before Christmas, my mom heard a cry from the living room. She couldn't fall back asleep, so she went to check on it, thinking it might have been my younger brother. When my mom walked through the hallways towards the living room where the Christmas tree was, she noticed a bright light shining. Then, as she got closer, she saw a little girl in white kneeling on the ground, admiring the gifts under the tree with her back slightly towards my mom. The little girl then turned and looked straight at my mom, which startled my mom. And at that moment, my mom froze. My mom said it felt like time just stopped and she couldn't move. The little girl got up and walked towards my mom. My mom said that the little girl's face looked white and angelic. And then as she got closer and closer, her face started turning angry and dark. At that point, my mom noticed her face was the same face from a couple of weeks ago when my mom was lying on the couch. My mom screamed so loud, get out of this house, this isn't yours, and told her to leave. My mom's screams woke my dad up and she broke down crying hysterically once my dad reached her. That night, my mom called my aunt who was a shaman. It was late, so my aunt did something spiritual to help my mom keep calm. The next morning, my aunt came over as she said that what happened the night before was very urgent. My aunt said she felt bad presence when she talked to my mom over the phone. After my aunt performed a shaman ritual for my mom, she told my mom who the ghost girl was. The little girl that my mom kept seeing was a girl who passed in the house a long time ago. We're not sure when, but this was why her presence was still there. She must have lived in the house a very long time ago. 
As my mom had explained, how she was dressed in an old-fashioned nightgown from the early 1900s. Christmas was also approaching, so that's probably the reason why her presence was so strong. My aunt asked my parents if they swept the house before moving in, and my parents said no, as my dad didn't believe that it mattered. My aunt said that the little girl is angry because her parents left her, which probably meant that they moved out of the house after her passing. From what we learned from the previous owners, they were experiencing similar paranormal experiences and was seeing the little girl too. That's why they sold the house for such a good price. My parents ended up selling the house the following summer. They moved back to the city and have never looked back. I live in Georgia in a small town dubbed the town of no hope. We call it this because there is really nothing to do except go to church, go to work, go to Walmart, and repeat. A little background for my story. This story takes place when I was 10 or so years old in a house that had no prior paranormal activity. I'm 18 now and this story still freaks me out. I don't want to give away my real name so I'll call myself Alice. I was in my room taking a nap when I had a weird dream. In it I saw a young teen girl in my room I asked her, who are you? And she smiled and walked out of my room. Before she did though, she said, I will see you in a few years, Alice. I woke up and I thought it was a strange dream, but paid no heed to it. Later that week, my dad is talking to my mom and he says, hey honey, I had a weird dream last night. My mom answers, what happened? And my dad replies, I dreamed that there was a young female in our bedroom looking at us and then she just left. She didn't say anything at all. I instantly felt cold all over the place. Even though I was only 10, I knew my parents might not believe me so I decided to keep my mouth shut. Fast forward, four or so years later, I am now in my room listening to Depeche Mode when I hear my mom call me. I call back, one sec mom. I go there and my mom asked me why I left my phone on the table. Confused, I said, oh, I'm sorry mom, I must have left it there. She says okay and to be more careful of my things. That night, my dad said over dinner, Honey, I had a weird dream today. She replies, Oh, really? What happened? My dad goes, Well, I was on the couch and I was watching TV. I looked and I saw Alice in a white gown put her phone on the table and leave. My mom and I never told my dad 
about my phone. I shrugged it off as a weird coincidence and go back to eating because my mom mentioned something to my dad. A few days later, my mom says, Alice, I lost my earring. Can you help me search for it? I said, sure mom, and started helping her search for it. After an hour, we gave up and I went downstairs to make dinner. That night, my mom found her earring on the bedside table. We searched there and we didn't see it. What was really weird about it was that next to her earring was a black gem. I don't know what kind it was to be honest. Okay, at this point we go, what the heck? My parent brushed it off, but I didn't. The next day, while we were driving, I threw the black gem out of my window and it fell into our county's lake. I figured that would be it. Oh, how wrong I was. A few weeks pass, nothing happens until one day. My dad comes into my room and says, Alice, have you seen my wallet? I frown. No dad, I haven't. Have you asked mom about it? He frowns and says, Yes, I have. If you find it, please let me know. I said, Of course, Dad. A day later, he found it in my parents' bed. Again, there was that damn rock next to it. That's it, I told him. We are burning white sage in this house. They agreed, and we have not had any weird happenings since. There are still a lot of questions that remain unanswered though. Were the dreams and the black gem connected? How would that same rock travel that far? And most of all, who was that girl? Is she somehow connected? This is a story that happened to my friend and I. Back then, when I was a teenager, around 16 or 17, I was a Hmong instrumental player. I played the Qing, which is a bamboo pipe instrument for the dead. My father wanted me to do this so that I would have more respect from the old Hmong folks. My friend was also one too. One day, my dad told me that one of our Hmong relatives passed away and he wanted my friend and I to go to the funeral with our master to play the instrument for the dead. At first I needed my master's permission to do so and I couldn't just go and do it so I asked my master. He said that they called him too and we had no choice but to go. August 30th 2004 my friend my master and I went to the funeral home where the Hmong relative had passed away. We came and greeted them, saying that we're the ones that they called to play the instrument for the dead. They invited us in and we started prepping everything. Finally, the day had came for my friend, my master and I to show our skill to everyone at the funeral home. I started first because I was a little better than my friend and he started with the drums. 
We had been doing this for two days straight, non-stop, playing the instrument and drumming. Finally, on the third day, my friend and I were a little tired and we told our master that we were going to take a nap and that we'll be back in an hour or so. Probably like an hour after we napped, my friend woke up and I looked at him and he was pale and scared. I asked him, what happened to you? He told me that when we both went to sleep, he dreamt about the man who died and he came to visit him. I was shook when he told me this. I told him, stop lying man, it's not a good thing to say things like that at a funeral home. He looked at me with terrified eyes and sweat falling down his face. I asked him, what did the man want? My friend leaned close to me and said, Where's my family? My whole body had chills all over. And we both got up and told my master about what my friend dreamt of. Our master told us not to think too much about it and to go concentrate on our job. My friend and I decided to forget about it. But we still kept reflecting back on why the dead uncle said that to my friend. That night, everyone left except the family members. My master and one of his companions were doing the final jobs at the funeral and my friend and I decided to go outside for some fresh air. We talked about the dead uncle and stuff until we heard someone talking to us. It was the middle of the night and no one was there with us. It was just me and my friend. Then we heard it again, but now it was getting louder and louder. We looked everywhere, but no one was there. That is, until we heard it from above us. We both looked up. There he was, on a tree, looking down on us with his big white eyes and asked, where is my family? We both screamed and ran inside the funeral. We were so scared that we were shaking like crazy. We were about to tell our master, but he was still busy playing the instrument for the dead uncle. After an hour had passed, we told our master about what happened to us outside. But our master told us to keep quiet until the funeral was over. Finally, the fourth day was here. We took the dead uncle to his grave. After the funeral was over, our master told some of the uncle's relatives that my friend and I saw and heard the dead uncle outside. After a while of talking to the relatives, our master came back to us and told us, it looks like the dead uncle was looking for his family back in Laos, so we don't need to worry about anything. My friend and I look at each other, and we are still scared. To this day, my friend and I still remember this incident, and we will never, ever play the Hmong instruments at the funeral again. This happened when I was 9 years old. 
I spontaneously purchased a Ouija board because it looked like an exciting game. I never thought about them before and had no idea what it was. Consequently, I was confused when I brought it home and my mother became very angry when she saw it. She said, God forbids using them because they're considered tools of sorcerers and black magic. I was raised in a very religious family. She didn't take it away from me, but I was scared to use it. A few months later though, during summer vacation, my sister and I decided to take it out and give it a try. The usual thing happened, nothing. My sister, who was four years older, then decided to try to contact my dead grandmother, Dorothy, who died before I was born. We decided to call for our grandma, and the board spelled out, Hello, girls. Before I continue, it's important to understand that we are positioned in the living room. My sister was sitting on the couch, and I was on the edge of the coffee table. The board was between us on a large footstool. We had been watching movies earlier in the day, and there was an orange plastic bowl of leftover popcorn on the other side of the room. My back was to the bowl, but my sister could clearly see it. Anyways, I was about to ask, quote, grandma, unquote, a question, when my sister took her hands off the planchette and screamed, oh my god, and pointed over my shoulder. I turned around to see the bowl of popcorn hovering two feet off the ground. For some reason, I was really mad. I knew it wasn't our grandma, but something else. The planchette was sliding across the board wildly with my hands on it. So I took my hands off of it and cried, knock it off. The bowl flipped over and fell on the ground as popcorn scattered everywhere. The planchette stopped sliding everywhere and flipped itself over. I believed mom's warnings after that. My sister was so scared that she refused to ever touch a Ouija board again. I broke the board in two and threw it away right then and there. It was a little too weird for the both of us. I have played with Ouija boards since then, but nothing as strange as that has ever happened again. Thanks everyone for making it to the end of this episode. I'm not sure if you're asleep, but if you haven't yet, please make sure to subscribe to my channel and click on the notification. I hope to see you in the next episode.